0: You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to a Sunday night edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. You are listening to Locked On Nets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw, uh, going solo on this one as uh, we are about an hour and a half before the Super Bowl. Josh hosting a Super Bowl party not available to record right now. Me going to that Super Bowl party probably going to be a little bit late. I I have a I got a, I got a little bit of a, a little wiggle room here. So I wanted to take 20, 30 minutes and talk about, that's optimistic, maybe 15. But I wanted to take that time to talk about the Nets' close defeat against the Los Angeles Lakers uh, this weekend. Uh, the Lakers 102, Brooklyn 99 in, what was a... Not shockingly, uh, kind of, at least at least this is my observation on, an emotionally charged game. Brooke Lopez, who's had, um, I, I don't know, I'm sure personally he's had a good time. He's from that area, but has had, at least the state, but has had uh, a very tough season professionally. Uh, I think what is, it's like 16 of the last 19 games going into this one. He hadn't played in the fourth quarter, and then he was talking pregame about driving past his old house in Brooklyn and how surreal it was to come in in, in the opposing uh, locker room and, and how he had to like fight off the urge to just walk into Brooklyn's one and then just seeing so many old faces because people forget the job aspect of being an NBA player at points, or maybe I'm, I'm projecting because I, I certainly don't always consider it, but it's not just the other guys on your team you're interacting with. It's the security guards. You see on a day-to-day basis front office people, assistant coaches, trainers, I mean, just friends from living in the area. There's this whole massive infrastructure that shifts when when, when you get dealt, and and Lopez to be confronted with that and then to come out and have, uh, just like he did the first time he played the Nets where he was absolutely dominant, Uh, one of his better games of the year, 8 of 13, 3 of 5 from behind the arc, almost hit a wild 30-footer that I, I don't know what would have happened. I think it would have brought the building down in, in the closing minutes and the last couple seconds of a shot clock. Um, had a big block on Jared Allen. And all in all, there was just, you could just tell it was emotionally charged for him. Um, I don't know if there were words said and maybe Spencer Dinwiddie threw out after he had a great third quarter, hey, I own Brooklyn now. Or, I, it probably would have occurred earlier in the game, but... Um, or, or or if Lopez has said something to him, like, you're not ready to wear the crown yet. But there was, and I could just be totally making this up, and it might have just been, like, typical both guys going really hard. But there was, like, some shoving between the two of them. And Lopez, in particular, seemed to, like, have taken issue with something Dinwiddie did because he was, like, pushing him after plays, like, holding him from getting up the court. Uh, there was a play where Dinwiddie had a runaway, and, like, if you're not LeBron James, nobody's really going to go for the block there because odds are you're going to hurt someone. And Lopez just ran the length of the court, kind of slightly grabbed Dinwiddie, not not enough to like put him in danger, but fouled him. And, and Dinwiddie finished with a dunk. But just Lopez hustling like that and going after—you could tell, kind kind of like how, what uh, me and Josh talked about with Jaleel Okafor and Nick Stauskas in the uh, Net Sixers game—you could tell there was a little bit of an extra fire lit under him for this one. So I thought that element of it was cool and that had to be put in even more stark contrast as the game went on because the guy the Nets drafted to essentially replace him long-term. Jared Allen had the game of his career uh, to put the cherry on top of the best stretch of his young NBA career. Uh, 24 minutes, didn't play a whole lot because of foul trouble, but 8 of 11 from the field, 4 of 6 from the charity stripe, scored the Nets first 5 points, 20 points, and 5 boards in this one for uh, J.A. And he was—he just continues to be excellent. Uh, after he he missed it in the third quarter, uh, Ryan Rucco pointed out that he had a stretch transcending uh, the past three to four games. And and if you remember, we we talked about how he would made 16 straight uh, going into the Sixers game. Um, after the hot start tonight, he was 26 of 27 field goals over that three three and a half game stretch, and that that's just mind numbing. Like I. I mean maybe they did I'd, I'd love to see if Elias or uh, ESPN stats and info uh, has the last time a guy had a better shooting stretch than that over 27 28 shots because that's just absurd. I, I don't care if you're a center I, I don't care if you're mostly used as a role man but that that's to, to go 26 of 27 when you're taking more than five shots a game I mean not a lot more but uh, around five shots a game is, is utterly ridiculous because I mean it's not like they're playing against eight-year-olds they're playing against guys that are equally big equally athletic Um, I mean in, in, even in college when there's a dominant big guy you usually don't see that kind of efficiency so that's that's really something to be celebrated and applauded and again kind of emblematic of the jump uh, Allen has made it. he's so much more patient than he was earlier in the season there was a great play between him and D'Lo, where he just ran the floor and Delo kind of slowed things down then threw in a lob to him. And he's guarded by Josh Hart. And earlier in the season, you'd see him bring the ball down and kind of get tripped up by smaller guys. And this time, that you saw the instinct was still there. He brought the ball down a little bit. Hart seemed like he had a chance to make a play on it. But then Allen was smart enough and patient enough to kind of pump fake, uh, give himself a second to regather, then go with one hand to flush it. And Hart absolutely did not have a chance. And that, that's kind of the biggest thing. For a young big, I mean, on top of the obvious stuff of coordination and post moves, it's for them to recognize their physical talent, appreciate them, and then turn that into the confidence to use them and take advantage of guys on the other team, and he certainly did that. All right, so uh, as far as the, how the actual game went, uh, extremely competitive first half, really back and forth, wasn't really always Thrilled with how the Nets played defense in this one, giving up 59 in half number one, and then just a ridiculously torrid stretch of three-pointers in the, in the third quarter. It seemed like the Nets were going to kind of give this one away. It wasn't really collectively like a great effort, particularly on defense. They were just kind of careless in leaving guys open, In the Lakers who shot poorly in half number one uh, made them pay, for, at least from outside the paint, uh, made the Nets kind of pay for it in half number two, having a stretch where they hit... Four three pointers in a row, and then it was really it was Spencer Dinwiddie keeping them in it. He scored 14 points in the first six minutes of quarter number three, actually giving the Nets a pretty comfortable lead. and And it was just Dinwiddie at his absolute apex. and And I wanna I wanna talk about that, but first I wanna tell you why uh, Dinwiddie is a good guy to make money off of, and the medium you can use to do that is draft. So, fantasy sports fans, it's time to listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why draft is my favorite fantasy site. No more getting crushed by the pros. And it's not just me. More than 1 million people that have already downloaded draft are enjoying it, too. Play in a real live NBA draft right now and be done in under 5 minutes and get paid out the next day. Drafts are filling every second, so you can join one whenever you want. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use my promo code, NETS. That's L-O-N-E-T-S. That's right, playing a real money draft for free just by using my promo code, L-O-N-E-T-S. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering Locked On Nets listeners a money-back guarantee up to $100. It's a good deal. Just search Draft in your app store or or go to Draft.com and come play free right now with the promo code L-O-N-E-T-S, L-O-N-E-T-S. Super Bowl Sunday. Great day to get some gambling in, whether you use Draft or you use my bookie, both sponsors of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can uh, you can up the stakes a little bit, and and why not? It's Super Bowl Sunday. Time to take some risks. All right, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, it was really it was really peak Dinwiddie in the uh, third quarter of this game. His ability to get to the rim, especially when when he gets his confidence going, and and the Lakers don't really have a particularly um, enthusiastic uh, defensive backcourt, and and don't play with a ton of shot blockers at the rim, as particularly when Larry Nance. Isn't in there like doing what he kind of had his way and he was just beating guys off the dribble, doing a really good job being patient in the pick and roll, generating switches and then attacking off of it, mixing in two deep threes, smacking them right in guys' faces and that, that quiet swagger that he has. I think he might've been fired up a little bit by, by the back and forth he had with Brooke Lopez, but he played uh, one of one of his better games in recent memory coming off a great one against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. So that was cool to see him build on that performance um, in stark contrast, uh, we, we mentioned Dinwiddie 14 points the first six minutes of the third. The Nets collectively, the six minutes of the fourth quarter, just kind of fell apart. Uh, two points over the first six minutes of the fourth as a team. So that was that was pretty stunning. And, and the shots just kind of stopped falling. Dinwiddie, uh, who was shooting so well, well, couldn't hit anything. Jared Allen wasn't really in the game. Quincy AC, Allen Crabb, missing shot after shot after shot. Crabb finished two for nine. For the game, uh, D'Angelo Russell, who played really well overall, was cold to start the fourth, and the Lakers slowly stretched their lead out. And just when it looked like the game was going to be over, Delo and Dinwiddie come back and start making a couple plays. Dinwiddie, hit, excuse me, Delo hit a big three, um, and, and there was generally really good ball movement. Uh, he found uh, Jared Allen a few times, and then D'Lo and then excuse me, Dinwiddie and Allen connected, and it was just kind of awesome to see, and it was like, I mean, obviously the Lakers are a young team too, but it was kind of emblematic of a young team growing up, in my mind, at least, uh, on the connection between those two with about two minutes left, uh, Nets down by, I think, four at that point, or maybe six, and Dinwiddie just knifed his way through traffic, used his uh, backside to kind of carve out some space, and then just threw this nice little pocket pass to Allen, who hit a floater in traffic, and just that that combination, it, it's I'm, I'm sure just about everyone listening feels the same way. It, it really does get me hyped. I don't know how else to say it. I get, get like a little jolt of energy every, every time I see those two make a play in, in the clutch. Because it really is, it's, it's beautiful. It's seeing a team grow up in front of your eyes. And it, it's the kind of stuff that if, if this next team ever goes anywhere down the road, uh, you're going to see in like a montage one day. And I know that's, that's uh, probably getting a little bit too emotional over a ultimately meaningless play and a loss to the Lakers. But it was pretty awesome to see. Uh, while we have a second, I want to remind everyone to uh, check out uh, the entirety of Substance uh, the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer. We, we usually tell you uh, the latest going on in Locked On NBA. And, and that show is great, usually having national guests and sometimes featuring uh, the best of our local podcast hosts, such as myself. Um, so that's cool to listen to. But I, I really want to want to talk about the work the local podcasts do, because I, I think slowly and slowly as, as this thing is building, uh, we are getting better and better guests. And a great example of that is Locked on Celtics had Brad Stevens on for an incredible 15-minute segment, and he kind of broke down his whole philosophy as a coach. And you listen to it, you really get a good gauge of what makes Brad Stevens special and, and really different than a lot of other NBA coaches. So I'd I would uh, encourage everyone to uh, check that out. And who knows, maybe it'll uh, give Kenny Atkinson an excuse to hop on the podcast at some point this year. That'd be pretty cool. All right, uh, back with the podcast. It's yeah, so the Nets uh, down by six down the stretch. Uh, just didn't make enough plays to win it. Uh, Alan Crabb, who uh, credit him, played excellent defense down the stretch, missed a wide-open three. That would have cut the lead to one and then uh, there was a sequence even before that where Jared Allen uh, made uh, a really, uh, at the time, it seemed like a potentially game-saving block on Brooke Lopez because if Lopez had hit the shot, uh, it probably would have been pretty close to an insurmountable lead for the Lakers, and Allen just flashes out of nowhere and help defense and really swats it, and then Allen gets a good dish um, on the other end from, I can't remember, it's either Dinwiddie or D'Lo, and, and, and Lopez just catches him and and you would have thought Allen could have out-jumped him, but Lopez, not really known for his defense or rim protection, necessarily uh, made a great play on the ball, destroying Allen's dunk attempt. Um, yeah, so just to see those two go back and forth, and like obviously like, it seemed like Allen had probably a slightly better game, but obviously Lopez kind of won the war with his Lakers walking out with a three-point win, and and, and then i Before I get into that, I should mention, like, the final play of the game. The Nets having a chance to uh, get the ball back down by two. Uh, Lopez takes a fadeaway as the shot clock expires, and then just totally unable to get the rebound, and that kind of summed up the game with the Lakers just being more physical around the bucket. And Allen actually had relatively good position on Julius Randle, but the rebound went a little long, and Randle just kind of uh, refused to give up any ground, and Allen was trying to push him back, but Randle was just too strong, got the ball. Got out to Josh Hart. They foul him. They foul Julius Randle. Goes one of two from the charity strike. The Nets get it back down three. They have a chance to win it. Joe Harris uh, misses a 25-footer with a second left, and that that just about did it. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of wrap this up by, I guess, talking about the, the biggest question that comes up anytime time Brooke Lopez plays the Nets or all two so far. Could he re-sign with the Nets this offseason? And I, I think, at least in my uh, conspiracy loving mind that was part of the calculus of the Nets when they traded him away. Like this is just going to be for one year and it could give everyone else, uh, namely Jared Allen, an opportunity to develop in the meantime. And then if we don't like the way things are going with that, or if we see him as more of a backup, uh, then, uh, we could potentially, uh, get Brooke Lopez back. But now Allen, uh, clearly looks like he's ready to start or if he's not ready to start now, um, will by next se- will be by next season. Uh Julio Okafor, a lot of ups and downs, but in the very least seems like a fairly competent backup at that spot. And it, it's it just seems like it would be on one hand it'd be kind of weird to allocate money to that spot when it seems like there are solutions there and the Nets probably shouldn't be playing paying up to the salary cap anyways, which they'd have to do to make any type of competitive offer to Lopez and they'd probably have to go over so just from that perspective, it might not be feasible. But on the other hand, like Lopez's shooting would do wonders for this offense and how far it's come with Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell. At that point, you really have an opportunity to kind of play skill ball, and you could even play Lopez and Allen uh, together with Allen's defensive flexibility if you didn't want to do that. You have Lopez, D'Lo, Dinwiddie, Carroll, maybe another defensive guy in their RHJ, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot of different directions you can go, and he just gives them so much flexibility on offense, theoretically, and it's kind of that dream stretch five that we, we've been talking about. Uh, the Nets really needing, and that would kind of complete their attack. Uh, you, you throw him on this team and just have one more versatile guy who can score and defend and lead. I mean, I know the defense is inconsistent, but he makes some good plays. Uh, I, I don't know. I think uh, that that'd be interesting. So I wonder... I wonder what the market is going to be on him this offseason with the Lakers kind of burying him, and I wonder if the Nets will be involved. So thats I know it's not a definitive answer or opinion, but just it's kind of some rambling. All right, uh, if you're listening to this uh, tonight, hopefully you enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow morning. Uh, tell me how it went. We really appreciate you tuning in to the Locked on Nets podcast, and we will be back uh, hopefully tomorrow or Tuesday with a Bucks recap. Until then, be well. Peace out.